Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, that was lame. I want to hear from like way in the back out in the gathering space. Merry Christmas, everyone. Nice. This is you guys. This is like the Super Bowl for me. I get so pumped up at this time of the year. All the preparation, everything you're waiting for, and then the beauty of this great season. The great poet T.S. Eliot once said, nothing is more tragic in this life than to have an experience, but to miss the meaning. Nothing is more tragic in this life than to have an experience, but miss the meaning. And don't you feel like that's happened to many in our society when it comes especially to Christmas? Christmas has lost its meaning. We experience Christmas every year. But every year I see more and more that the true meaning of Christmas is being sidestepped in the name of presents, in the name of materialism, in the name of decorations, in the name of fun. This is why people just blow through Advent. On Sunday, it was the fourth Sunday of Advent, everybody coming out of the church, they were saying, happy, happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. I said, oh, happy Advent. I refuse to say Christmas until today because we're in Advent. Until this beautiful day. And here's the crazy part. This beautiful day lasts for like three weeks. Kids, did you know that? Three weeks Christmas. But most people, we celebrate it today or tomorrow. Trees out the door. Lights are gone. And it's all over. We are just now beginning the beauty of Christmas. And the other thing that I've noticed is that we push more and more towards this materialistic view of Christmas, there's more and more to do. Instead of this beautiful time with family, there's just this constant doing, 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 doing. You know that light show in Lincoln? They just announced that this is the last year they're going to do it, unfortunately. It's beautiful. If you haven't been to it, go to it. It's a heck of a light show. But they start setting up for it in September. I mean, God bless them. But holy cow, September, they've spent $50,000 on the display. It's incredible. We have missed the fact that God, the creator of all things, the ruler of the universe, became a baby for you and for me. So that we would not have to experience this life as what it truly is. I don't know if you notice this, but all the commercials, everything is pointing to how fun everything is right now in life. It's not fun. It's not. I don't know if you experience this. Life is hard. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of suffering, a lot of pain that goes along with life. It's not just fun. I don't get how it became so blasé and how shopping and decorating became more influential in our lives than God becoming man. How I wish, how I wish that this church was this full every single Sunday. And that would mean that the Catholic faithful have in their heart, they know this depth, this truth. But we're losing sight of this meaning And as I was deep in prayer in the rectory's private chapel, trying to write my homily to come up with some beautiful understanding of this meaning that we've lost, 
All I could hear was Father Wolf blaring Christmas music and singing at the top of his lungs. Not that he has a bad voice, but he's a big guy. And he can really bellow out Christmas tunes. But it was funny because as he was singing, I was getting a little frustrated. Because it really wasn't that good. But the song Little Drummer Boy came on. You remember that song? The little pa pum pum that song? Yeah. Anyway, that little, I started listening to that song and Father Wolf singing it. And it's kind of a funny song. Because the whole premise of the, the, the song is, is that this little boy is so poor that all he has is this drum. Well, drums are expensive. So he can't be that poor. And then, and then he comes in and it says there's this line he said to Mary, presumably, should I play for him? Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. And then it says, Mary nodded. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. And I think the little drummer boy mistake, mistook Mary saying, no little drummer boy. The baby's sleeping. <laughs> because the last thing any mother with a newborn wants is another little kid with a drum playing pa-rum-pa-pum-pum in the room with them. But then there's this line, and it caught me. It says, I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. And I got to thinking that in life, are we not always doing that? We're always trying to put forward our best for everybody to see, especially at Christmas. Everything's got to be perfect. My family's got to be perfect. And dang it, it better snow. Just that day, though. We're always pretending that things are okay. Keeping the storm at bay. I don't, my, uh, I think she's my, she's my brother's godmother. We go to her cabin every summer and they have this sign, right, as you leave the, the house. And it says above the door, remember, as far as everyone's concerned, we're a normal family. How true that is. You guys, we are a mess. All of us are a mess. We try to say everything's okay, but it's not okay. The human family is dysfunctional. We're a mess. You know, you owe me. (laughs) The reason you owe me is because I had the deacon read the short form of the gospel. The long form of the gospel is when they go through the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know, this guy became the father of this guy that became the father of this guy that became the father of this guy. And everybody's like, who cares? (laughs) But if you look at that genealogy, the reason it is read on Christmas is because Jesus' family was a mess too. You think you have problems. Jesus' family was a nightmare. You ever heard of Tamar? She's listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Tamar wanted to marry Judah, but Judah wanted nothing to do with her, so she dressed up as a prostitute so that she could get with him and then have children begotten by Judah. That's Jesus' family. Rahab is also named. She didn't even pretend to be a prostitute. She just was one. David is named. 
the great king, the greatest of the line of Jesus, murderer and adulterer. Why? Because this, what the church is trying to show us, what God is trying to show us is the truth that this life is a mess. But he wants to be with us in the mess. Whenever you look at that nativity scene, I think when we look at that, we're like, oh, it's so beautiful. What a tender moment. That was a nightmare. They weren't even at home when she had her child. They were in a cave, a barn. Because Jesus wanted to come in to the mess so that we might know that we're never alone in the mess. I have experienced this year more than ever as a priest the suffering of humanity. From the suffering of a young girl who was bullied so bad that she wanted to commit suicide. To the suffering of family members being diagnosed with cancer. To the suffering of friends who have lost jobs. For the suffering of my past students who conceived twins and lost them both. This life is hard. It's hard. And you all know it deep in your hearts. You know it. We don't need to pretend anymore. God's done pretending. God came right into the midst of the mess to be with you and to be with me. So that we might know that we are never, ever alone. And that he can take a mess and make it beautiful. You know where the two top uh, destinations for vacation are in America? The first one is Walt Disney World. And the second one is Las Vegas. Don't get me started on the second one. (laughs) But both of these places, my friends, Walt Disney World was founded in a swamp. Las Vegas founded in a desert. The two worst possible places that you could make a destination for vacations. And they looked, people looked at those places and said, that's a mess, but I can make something beautiful out of it. And that's what God wants to do with every single one of us. He shows up into the mess and says, that disaster, if you let me in, if you hold on to me, I will be with you. That, my friends, is the Christmas proclamation. And that is good news. That is beautiful news. Because no matter what you and I suffer with, no matter what you and I struggle with, He's there. And he's been there since the beginning. From being a child, a baby, all the way to the crucifixion. Every moment of human life, he wants to be with us. Not at the best. At the worst. And this is even conveyed to the point that as soon as he's born, he's laid in a manger. A manger. My mother always used to say to me, she said, I never understood why Mary put him into a manger right away. And I said, why is that? And she said, when you were born, all I wanted to do was hold you. So why does Mary immediately take the baby Jesus and put him into a manger? Manger comes from the French word manger or the Latin word manducar, which means to eat. It was a feeding trough. 
Mary takes Jesus, knowing that Jesus is not for her. She is for, he is for us. And lays him in to a place where animals eat. He is supposed to be for us our food. The Eucharist. This is what it's all about. This is where he wants to remain with you. This is why we priests harp on come to Mass, come to Mass, come to Mass. Why? Because this is where the Christmas proclamation takes flesh, becomes real. The bread of life. And it is meant for all of us. And it's really all we want. All we want is relationship. We want to be loved. That's it. You know, kids say they want presents. They don't really want presents. You know what they want? They want a mom and dad who love each other. A mom and dad who cherish each other and who cherish them and spend time with them. That's what they want. Two years ago, a little kid, I was talking to his parents and his parents said, our our son was so terribly sad after he'd opened all of his presents. And they asked him, "Why, why are you so sad? And he said, because I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. And they said, what'd you want for Christmas? He said, I don't know, but I didn't get it. How true that is. God wants to communicate to us that all he wants for us is not stuff. He just wants to be with us. He doesn't want us to pretend everything's okay anymore. He doesn't want us to distract ourselves by the mess of the things of this world. He wants to sustain us right here, tonight, and every day of your life. I think I told this story to the parish, but besides, there's so many people here, I can tell it again. And plus, I'm giving the homilies, so you can't do anything about it. I had an opportunity to do a wedding anniversary of a couple. They were married for 50 years. We'll just call them Joe and Betty. And Joe came into the sacristy, it's about 10 years ago, and he said, Father, it's our 50th wedding anniversary. I'm like, nice, Joe, way to go, man, that's awesome. Big rancher guy. And he said, I want, I want you to give us a blessing. I said, I can do better than that. I said, we're going to renew your wedding vows during Mass. And he's like, well, I don't know if we need to do that. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Joe, you're a man, aren't you? That's all you got to do, by the way. Just attack a man's masculinity. And he's like, yeah, I'm a man. I'll do it. I'll get up there. <laughs> so he gets up. And I, I have the right of marriage. I said, everybody today, Joe and Betty are going to renew their love. So I said, Joe, you go first. I, Joe, take you, Betty, to be my wife. And he said, I, Joe, take you, Betty. And he just lost it. Started this huge, big rancher. And Betty's like, you know, four, eight, maybe 90 pounds. He's the size of Joe's forearm. And afterwards, I remember we finally got through And afterwards, he came into the sacristy and he's like, Father, you made me look like an idiot. And I'm like, no, Joe, you did that yourself. <clears throat> I said, what I did is I put on display for the entire parish how God wants to love us and how much he loves us. I said, Joe, what was going through your heart when you said those words? He said, Father, when I looked at that woman, 
And I remembered all the years that we had together. And I realized that she didn't love me at my best. She loved me at my worst. And Father, you have no idea how much I love her now. That's God speaking to his people. In the first reading, Isaiah says, as a builder marries, as a, as a, as a virgin marries her groom, so, the, so God must marry you. This is what he wants. But so few take advantage of it. I'm begging you, pleading with you. Come. Receive. For this is life. The things of the world will always be there. And you'll never be satisfied no matter how much you have. Only the divine has the ability to satisfy. May we know that our worst is where God wants to love us the most. And because of that, let our hearts swell with love and gratitude for that baby laying in the manger. Merry Christmas, everyone.